This episode is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. We have all tried their yummy and very convenient menu, but do you know about their community involvement? McDonald's supports our community through the Ronald McDonald's House of Charities, a program that assists families with sick or injured children worldwide to stay with their families at near hospitals and healthcare providers at no cost to them. In 2020, McDonald's provide 1.4 million for overnight stays to families. I don't know about you, but I am loving it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Strugglers Anonymous. As you already know, I have another amazing guest with me. She's very special, and this is Amanda. Amanda is going to be sharing with us her domestic violence story. And as always, we share this story with you all with hopes that if anyone who may be going through this situation identifies themselves with us tonight, we want you to know that you're supported, that you're not alone, and that there's a better future for you. There's a possibility of a better future. So Amanda, thank you so much for being here with thank us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm so excited. Me too. I'm very excited. Um, I think it's a subject that we need to be talking about it. Absolutely. Even though it's out there so much, I hear domestic violence so much, I think that we need to go more in depth of what it looks like, mm-hmm. how it starts, the aftermath, because a lot of people think, oh, yeah, I know all about it. And then years later, they can find themselves in that situation. Absolutely. And I think a lot of times, too, we don't understand what domestic violence is. And I think we, and myself included, we were just all were misconstrued of what domestic violence looks like. And so I think that this is going to be a great podcast to kind of get that knowledge out there to people. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you so much for being on this platform. I know it's not easy. It's not easy to open up to strangers and share some of your darkest and most painful moments. So I appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Awesome. So tell me, how old were you? How did you guys meet? How long was it? So I met my ex-husband. He's now my ex-husband. I met him when I was 18 years old at um, Rainbow Tech. We started going to school together. Um, He is six years older than me. And so I was you know, smitten, of course, because he's an older guy, I'm 18, just fresh out of high school, and so that's how, that's how we met, was at through Greenville Tech, and later on, it was probably about a month and a half or so into us going to school together, I had seen him out somewhere, and he asked for my number then, and that's just kind of how the relationship started, and so um, we were married up until I was 32, wow. so... I got married the day after I turned 21, and we divorced when I was 22, when I was 32. Goodness. Yeah. So, it was how many years? We were married almost 12 years, and together about two and a half, two, two and a half years or so before we got married. Long, over half my life with this one person. And did it start fast? Or was it a Yeah, I mean, it was, was, I mean, it was just a real natural, like in the beginning, he was just, wonderful he was great you know he's full new rotten you know he spent all his time with me you know all that was a to me in my eyes it was a great relationship and then we got engaged and that's when things started started happening was then 
how uh, far into the relationship um, did engagement happen? Um, probably about two years in. Two years in. Yeah. And years did in. you guys move in prior? No. So I grew up in a really strict Baptist home. So like you, you didn't. That was not what you did. You did not move in with, you know, other people or anything like that. So we did not live together or anything until after we had got married. And I always said if I had lived with him before we got married, I probably wouldn't have married him because I think I would have seen the red flags then. Absolutely. Talking about red flags, did you see any at the beginning? Was he... In the beginning of the relationship? No. I probably didn't. I don't know if I was just oblivious to them or if I was just so smitten and so in love that I was just like, oh, this is normal. This is normal. And now that you know what happened, looking back, were there red flags? Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. And tell me about those red so flags. So I, like? I think the biggest red flag that I can recall is, do you know, there's always just that one person that makes you so mad that just brings out the worst in you. And he was that person. He knew what buttons of mine to push. He knew how far to take it. He knew what to say to make me just burst or whatever. He did those things to me. And so that was probably, looking back, that was probably the biggest red flag that I can remember. Wow. And I, I totally understand that because you think back and you're saying, wait, that wasn't me. That it's never me and my character. I never act out that way. And then you're like, where did this come from? How yes. is this person bring out such bad things from me? Yes. And my mom always had told me she was, she always said, you're just the happiest, go luckiest person ever. And then it's like, you got with him and it was just like, he just brought out just, just bad person of, in you. And like, when I was going through it, I didn't see that, you know? Right. And so that was like, looking back, it's just like, oh my goodness. Like, why did I not see that? Did you start changing um, your likes, your interests, or stop being engaged in your own goals? Or Absolutely. Tell me about that. So I'm a hairstylist and my biggest goal that I wanted when I became a hairstylist was I wanted to own my own salon one day. That was, that was what I wanted to do. And when we got together, started day in, and even up into our marriage, that was kind of like my goal. That's what I wanted. And that just kind of dissipated. I mean, it was just like to him and how he felt like a salon should be or ran or whatever was not how you run a salon, at, you know, at all. And so it was just almost like that dream just kind of like hit the back burner. And so when I actually had my second child, he wanted me to work from home. And then that's when a lot of the mental abuse started. Let's talk about that. How did it start? How did things change? I think a lot of things just changed. After we got engaged, a lot of things changed where how he talked to me, how he um, approached like sex with me, um, my relationship with my friends. If I ever wanted to go to like a hair show, and even up until when we did get married, if I wanted to go to a hair show, it was like I almost had to hide wanting to go to a hair show because I knew he wouldn't want me to go. 
And so I would always be like, well, look, I need to go do this because I need to continue my hours or whatever, because I was scared of how he was going to act about me wanting to go to a hair show and him not be able to go. So was it like, I don't want you to go because you're going to be out there with other people? Was it more like jealousy or was it a control? No, it was more control. Definitely control. It was, he wanted me to be right there underneath him at all times. He wanted to always have eyes on him. He wanted to know what I was doing at all times. So you started noticing that. Started noticing that it was like, I... You can go where I want you to go. Where I pretty much. Go. I mean, he never said that. Oh, but yeah. That's what it was, and it was like if I didn't, if I wanted to do something and he thought it was stupid or he didn't agree with it, you know, he it was just he would make it hell. I, I said, yeah, because I've noticed that when the abuse is happening, they there it's a way where the abusers make it seem like. I'm not telling you what to do. I don't yeah. control you, but the actions or the way they go about things, it's exactly yes. that. They're not saying it with the with the words, but they are controlling you. Absolutely. So it's highly important for us to understand that. For take a step back and say, wait a minute, where is this taking me? Where yes. am I in my life? Am I being driven away from my goals? Yes. Or is, and is he telling me, am I starting to change because of this person telling me or making me in a way mm-hmm. feel that this is not important anymore? Well, and it's a lot of re- reverse psychology. It's like, I don't care if you do that. You but, can do it all you want to, but you're not going to come home to me and do that. Right. You know, it was just always like, you can go do it, but I mean, you're going to pay the consequences for it pretty much. What was that one turning point how did it started to get from this is doable to you understanding oh my goodness i am in an abusive relationship oh gosh it took years we had i think we had just celebrated our 11th year anniversary and i just remember it was fall time it was around this time of year that it is right now and i just remember coming home from my son's football practice and I was sitting on the front porch. He had still been going working all day. It was probably around 9, 9.30 at night. I'm sitting on the front porch. I thought both of my babies were asleep inside. And I was just sitting on the porch and I was just crying. And I remember picking up the phone, calling my mom because I needed to talk to somebody. And I'm talking to her and I didn't realize at the time that my son was behind me. But I was, he heard this conversation go on with my mom. And I was like, mom, it's almost like I've woken up and I'm like, where what have I done for the past 11 years of my life like I I don't know it's all been a blur and she was like well Amanda you have choices and I'm like I know I have choices I said but it's almost like how did I get here and it was almost like it was almost like I was waking up to it like reality was sitting yes reality was setting in I think at the time I was 31 and I was like I'm 31 years old and I'm like I don't know what I'm doing here like, how did I get to this position right here where I'm sitting on the porch? It's 930 at night. I have taken care of my children all day long. I have worked all day long. I have just spent the past two and a half, three hours at football practice, and I have yet to see my husband. But at the same time, he's keeping check on me. He knows where I'm at at all times. 
if I take too long at the grocery store, he's like, you shouldn't be at the grocery store that long, you know? And it's just like, how did I get in this spot? And it's like when that light bulb went off for me and it was like after that, things just started happening. I mean, it was just like, I don't know if it was just like God telling me like, look, this is, this is your life right here. You know, let me, let me get rid of this fog and let me show you because it was just like life fell apart after that. So I know that he was uh, emotionally abusive to you. Yes. He diminished you. I know we, we talked about him calling you stupid or what you wanted yes. to do stupid. Tell me more about the type of domestic abuse that you lived with him, that you went through with him. So with him, uh, definitely emotional abuse, verbal abuse. There was some physical abuse and there was sexual abuse. Sexual abuse. Yes. important to definitely talk about the sexual abuse because a lot of women can understand emotional abuse, uh, physical abuse. Yes. But sexual, it, a lot of people think, well, they're married. How can that be abuse? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, like when, when I met him, I was 18. And so, I mean, at that point, I had only had one partner prior to him. And that partner that I had before him actually um raped me so like he held me down and made me have sex with him so it was like i went from that relationship to you know my now ex-husband i went to that relationship and it's like i already had kind of like a messed up idea of what healthy sex looked like so when i entered that relationship i wanted to really make sure because i told him for i don't know three or four months like we're not going to have sex we're going to do this right you know, like God doesn't want us to, and you know, we need to wait till we get married. Well, you know, that all went down the drain. A lot of the sexual abuse started after we were engaged. And it was, if, if I didn't give him oral sex, then he wouldn't have sex with me. Or if I didn't give him oral sex, then it was, I'm not going to talk to you for two or three days. It was just ignoring me. And then once we got married, it was just, well, if we don't have, if you, if you don't give me oral sex, then we just don't have sex. So your desires, your wants were gone. Yes. When it came down to sex, you didn't have a voice. No, it was absolutely not. It was, it was how he wanted it. I feel like when you're married, sex should be safe. Right. You know, like if, if one partner wants to do one thing or another partner wants to do something, then I feel like you should come together and that should be a safe spot for you. But in my marriage, it wasn't that way. It was how he wanted it, and that was it. And so it was either you give me um, a blowjob or we're not going to have sex. And then like later on, my friends, I, I used to joke about it because I, I felt that was my only way of like coping with it was to kind of joke about it. And so when I got pregnant with my daughter, I wanted to name her two names. I was down to two names, how what I wanted to name her. He was like, the only way you can have those names for her is if you give me four blowjobs. And so that was what I had to do in order to name my daughter what I wanted to name her. I had to do that. And then, and I would go to work and I'd be like, y'all, let me tell you what I had to do. And you know, like I would just try to like play it all, you know, because like, I just didn't know how to cope with it. I just was like, let me just make a joke out of it. And then later on when she wanted her ears pierced, he, of course, I guess, you know, after all these years of being together, he knew 
but that was the way that he could get me to do things. So let me get this straight. Your daughter wanted her ear pierced. She wanted her ears pierced. Well, she was six months at the time, so she didn't want her ears pierced. You I wanted, wanted her ears gotcha. pierced. He was like, well, if you want her ears pierced, you have to give me six blowjobs. And two of them have to be going down the road. So it was transactional. Yes. You want this, I need this for yep. you. Sexual favor. Yep. But it was like that for anything. Right. And and but there was even times where he would say, well, if you don't give me a blowjob, then I'm going to get the papers ready. Wow. In so other words, you like divorce. divorce. Yes. How did you decide it or how did you end up moving on without him? So you're talking about like the, how do we decide to go through the divorce? Yes. So actually, you know, I was telling you about me like sitting on the porch talking to my mom and right. I was just like a light bulb went off in my head. There was just some more things that had went on and I had gone to him and I was like, look, I think we need to go to counseling. Like, let's go to counseling. Let's try to work on our marriage. I feel like something's not right. It's not good. And he was like, there's nothing wrong with our marriage. We're good. Well, after about three months of that, I was just like, no, like we've got, we've got to do something from that point on. It was just awful. And so I just went to him one night and it was actually October 30th, 2018. I'll never forget it. I set him down. The kids, I went to bed and I set him down on the bed and I was like, can't do this anymore. Like I want a divorce. And he was cool as a cucumber. Really? Yep. And I was not expecting it whatsoever i think like looking back i think he thought that i was just playing like the weeks that followed up he realized i was not playing he started it's almost like he tried to like sweet talk me back in i hadn't moved out yet because we decided since it was so close to christmas we were going to wait till after christmas because of the kids and everything he would come up to me like i could really tell that you dressed up today and you look really nice I'm just like, really? So he was one of the things that he should have always have done. Yes. He was trying to do it at the end. Yes. You know, when I talk about emotional abuse, like for him, I have always had self-confidence issues. I have always, always struggled with that. But what woman really has it? Absolutely. We all all struggle with that. And he knew that that was a struggle point for me. Us as women, we ask stupid questions. Like we'll walk up to our husbands and say, do I look fat in this? I mean, we all have said it. So like I would ask him that and he would say, well, it's not the clothes that make you look bad. In other words, it was me. He would always tell me those things. And if I did dress up nice, he would say, well, who are you dressing up for? I know it's not me. Like when he started doing that, when he knew that I was for real about getting a divorce, it's too late. That is turning point that a lot of women get to. A lot mm-hmm. of women get there. Some other women go through that trial. They go through, okay, we're done. He's sweet talker, that cycle. Yep. They come back and it takes them a long time to actually pull away. Well, and I can't tell you how many times I actually went through that cycle before mm-hmm. I actually went Decided through it, to. you know? And I think the biggest decider factor was. You know, after I told you we sat there on the porch or I sat on the porch with my mom and talked to her about, you know, like, how did I get here and all that? I think it was about three weeks later, I was at football practice. My little girl at the time, that was three, she was behind me playing with another little girl. And me and that little girl's mama was just sitting there talking and that little girl fell and she started crying. And I looked back just to kind of like check on them. And so did my the other mom. And when I look back, my daughter told this little girl, she said, it's okay to cry. My daddy makes my mommy cry all the time. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, my three-year-old daughter is seeing this. 
from then on, I thought, I've got to break this cycle. And I think that if it had been my son saying it, I probably wouldn't have thought too much about it. But I thought about my daughter thinking that that was okay. Absolutely. And when I thought about her, I was like, what kind of example am I leading to her? Like, what am I showing her by allowing that? We've all, I'm sure, have been in relationships. Relationships are hard. Absolutely. They're not this fantasy. Yes, they're not, you know, they're not what Disney makes it out to be. Or, you know, that's not life. And I always say when I had a little girl that I would never let her watch Disney movies. I totally agree. Marriage and relationships are not that fantasy it's not realistic no it's not you know and you know like we all have issues in our relationships and stuff but it was like this is just not normal the things that were going on and i don't want my daughter to look at that and think okay this is normal because it's not was it absolutely you know you hey props to you for having the courage to say this is not for my daughter this is not what i want my daughter to grow up seeing because it takes a lot of courage for you to put it your does. kids first. It does. And it's so funny because a lot of people think, well, you should have stayed for your kids. Well, Thank you for touching on that. I left for, for my, my kids. kids. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, and honestly, before I made the big decision, like, okay, this is what I want to do. I have a really good friend of mine. Her mom had divorced her daddy later on in her life. She was in her 20s, I believe it was. And there was a lot of abuse there as well. I actually had went and sat with my friend and her mom. And I was like, okay, I want your thoughts as a child of what you've seen growing up. Like, how did it affect you? And how does it affect you now as a wife? And she was like, I begged my mom to leave my daddy for years. And she never would do it. How does that make you feel that your daughter was begging you and you didn't? And she's like, I'd stay for her and her sister. And I was like, but how does it make you feel now? Like, do you wish you had it, did it, you know, sir? And she was like, of course I did. And I asked my friend, I was like, how does it affect you now in your marriage? And she said, it affects me every day. Because I think about those things that went on between my parents, and I think about it affecting me in my marriage. I think that was, was when I made the big decision. I was like, I'm not doing this. And I say that it's a huge step of courage when you put your kids first. Because of that, precisely. Yeah. Because when we're in a marriage, um, in a relationship, committed relationship, we think this is our safe zone. Mm-hmm. That we have shelter, we have food, they have a role model. But let's go deeper than that. Yeah. What kind of role model are they having? Yeah. Are they coming home and they're being relaxed or are they anxious? They're stressed yes. out. My anxiety is going crazy because when is the next fight? When is my mom yes. going to be crying again? So I think that it's a lot of courage to actually say, yes, even though they have all these wonderful things in this household, in this home, it's not the correct things for them to have. It's not a value for them in the long run. So I think it's very erotic for you to put your kids first. And I want to invite any mom out there to analyze that. Absolutely. That a, a big thought of okay yes they have all this right now but what also are they not getting what also are they getting that will harm them from this yes and and i want to say too like i had everything you know i lived in a two hundred fifty thousand dollar house 
I had a $40,000 minivan. You know, I, I had it all. To the, to the world, I should have been happy. I was working at home. I had, you know, I could go get my kids anytime I wanted to. I was working at, at, out of my house, you know, doing hair, whatever. A big, huge house. I had a $250,000 house. I had a big, nice, fancy car. And, you know, so, and that didn't mean anything because my kids didn't see a healthy relationship. And that's precisely the yeah. importance of it. It's not the materialism. It is their emotional yes. well-being. You decided to make the, the decision. You took the decision. Yes. You told them, I can't do this anymore. It's over. The first time that you, very first time that you told him this, did he change at all for a couple of months? Or how did oh, you yeah. Like he, he changed. He, um, he tried uh, the sweet talking. He tried to persuade me. He tried everything he could. He was being there for me, sending me sweet text messages, trying to love on me, trying to have sex with me and not and and not just have, you know, he did. He tried sweet talking me. He tried getting me to And that would happen every time you attempted every single to, time. To every time How that, long did it work? Or how long did you Oh my goodness. I think the last time it probably he probably prior to this the actual separation, the time before that, he probably did it for about six months. Oh wow. He played the game for six months. Yes, yeah, he played the game for six months, and he was pretty, pretty consistent. But I, I would probably say after about three months of it, he started, like, dwindling down on the sweetness and, and all of that. You feel the, it coming. Oh, yeah. Like, I knew it was coming. I knew it. How is Bill Fins, Amanda, back up? Not him. The relationship mm -hmm. made you forget about you. you Absolutely. There was no Amanda. No. How was your progress, your journey to come back alive? Well, I still consider myself in that progress. I mean, it's been three years this month since, you know, we actually separated and everything. Um, so I still think I'm on that progress journey of finding who I am. That first year to year and a half was very hard. Like, I didn't know what I liked. I didn't know who I was prior to us separating and divorcing. Like I was probably at one of the strongest points of my faith I think I've ever been in. And since then, I have I've lost a lot, a lot of that. And I think that's what I struggle with the most is finding myself in Christ again. Because it's like, who am I in Christ now? Because you think to yourself, okay, I'm a divorced woman right now. Like, God doesn't want that. But I also know that God didn't want me living in that either. I think it's not so much of, I got to forgive myself for being divorced, I guess you could say. But I think it's more of accepting the fact that I can still worship Christ and love Christ as a divorced woman. And I think that's the hardest part. It's You you don't think about this stuff. You don't think about, no. wait a minute, I'm having to rebuild, rebuild my identity. Absolutely. Not with just the world like hey this is some status yeah i'm not married i'm divorced but your religion relationship with god yep you yourself okay my life looked like this my life i thought was going to look like this but yeah for here on and it like shatter shatter absolutely it's, we're back to square one yep. so who am i i think that that's an important point 
even if you're not in an abusive relationship, if you're in a relationship, a committed relationship, a marriage, a long relationship, you need that time to oxygen. I call it oxygen because then yes. before you go into another relationship, yeah, find out who you are, what you're like, what yeah. happened in this relationship. It's highly important, I believe, for you to find yourself again and be true to yourself because for so long it was you and that person that mm -hmm. I don't know what are my goals now. Yeah. You don't think about that when you're married. No, and I think, I think even when you're a mom, if you have everything correct in life, your marriage is great and you're a wonderful mom. I think even when you are that, you don't know who you are anymore because your whole identity has gone to these little bitty tiny fingers and toes, you know? Absolutely. No, I think it's not healthy to be honest. I think no. that we, and I say we because, like Amanda just mentioned, your healing never stops. No, there's always another layer. And when you cross that layer, when you finally heal that level, when you forgive yourself, you gave yourself grace, whatever it is that you need to do to heal, there's going to be another thing that will come to you, mm -hmm. another event in life another situation so when we sit here we tell you i've passed this point yes we've healed one bit of that but it's a continuously thing yes and we can go back to say okay i'm done i'm, I'm done healing i'm here yeah. watch for that because we forget about looking out for yourself when you're a mom where, where are you check yeah. within yourself check yeah. with yourself what are my goals Yes, I have a wonderful husband if you're not in an in a abusive relationship. Great kids, job is going wonderful. I might need some me time there. Yes. You still need to check with yourself. And that goes the same thing for the man. A Absolutely. Guy. Hey, I still need some time with my boys. I love you, honey. I love my kids, but I'm going to go play football, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I think that that's part of the healthy boundaries in every relationship needs to have. So you were single divorce for three years yeah, it's been three years this month yes ma'am and how has it been with your emotional well-being talk to me walk me through your healing what things you did what were specifically did you go to therapy did you yes. use journaling the therapy? Um, therapy definitely and also too i want to throw in there uh got both of my children in therapy as well that's um, very good because I was like, you know what? I don't want them to be one of those divorced kids that go crazy. You know, like I want them to be able to talk out what they're feeling, their emotions and all that. So I got them in therapy. I got me in therapy. That was, that was the best thing I think that I did, not just for my children, but for myself as well. Because I think we are such humans where we just wipe everything under the rug. Oh, I'm fine. I'm good. You know. And like, even when, I, when we first separated and stuff, like I really didn't want to tell a whole lot of people my story. Like, you know, like I was just like, we just didn't get along, you know, like, you know, I didn't really want to like blast it out there. Hey, this man, you know, abused me um, because we have a lot of mutual friends. And you know, even though that he didn't, he, he had only hit me twice. He did hit you. And so like, I do want to say like, hit me. But when I say like, he, he didn't punch me. And the first time that he did it, he slapped me across my face. And the second time, he actually, like, drugged me around my neck in the driveway in front of my children, in front of my mom and my neighbors. And so when you think about somebody abuse, you think about, or to me, I think about punching. I think about somebody hitting you. No, 
he slapped me. He dragged me across the driveway by my neck. And so those are the things that he did to me. So it wasn't like a punch to the face and leave a bruise. And that's a huge, huge point that we need to make in the podcast on the episode tonight. We need to be able to recognize this abuse. Yes. And you guys are not seeing her right now, but she is feeling it. Amanda, it, this is not a light conversation. This is not a, it happened and that's it. Amanda has PTSD because of this. And we can get PTSD for anything. Any event that is being traumatizing will cause that. But I think that women that have been through that need to understand that abuse looks different. Yes. It is hard for you to realize that you're being abused nowadays because you automatically think what Amanda thought. He never punched me. I don't have a black eye. Yeah. So I wasn't abused. No, there was abuse. The thing is that we have been used to seeing it within our parents, mm -hmm. perhaps, or the community. I, for one, in the Spanish culture, the man gets home, doesn't do much. Yeah. It's, uh, you can't do that. You need to be home with our kids. It's a, it's a lot of macho man type yes. of mentality. And you grew up thinking that that is just normal. Uh, that's just gender roles and that's acceptable. Yeah. And that's that. But no. It's not acceptable. It is yeah. abuse. We have the right to, to recognize it, to speak about it, and heal. So it's important for us to bring up this conversation so other women can understand, wait a minute, I'm identifying myself with what Amanda's talking about. Mm -hmm. Perhaps I need to check and see what's going on in my relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's emotional abuse. There's verbal, mental. Those kind of all three go together right there. There is financial abuse. There's sexual abuse. There's physical abuse. I even read up on that there's spiritual abuse. Like your husband could be like, no, you're not going to go to that church or you're not going to worship Jesus. You're going to worship, you know, Buddha or, you know, anything like that. And so I think for so long we put out domestic abuse out there that we've pictured it as he left bruises on me. And that's not what domestic abuse is. It's not just that. It's no. more that there's, like Amanda said, there's abuse of many kinds. And I'm so glad you touched on the financial abuse. Oh, yes. When uh, you become dependent, when you don't have the freedom to mm -hmm. say, I'm going to go get food or um, I have money for this or no, when you're, you're dependent on someone else, financially and they use that to control you yes that is abuse. and that was like even within within my marriage our agreement was he would pay the house payment and i would pay the utilities mm -hmm. well that also entail i always say also paid for groceries i paid for us to go on vacations i paid for us to go out to eat and he would always say i didn't have the money i didn't have the money well, I mean, I wasn't living under his checking account because, like, you feel like you're married to this man. You should trust him, you know? Um, and so, like, we never could have anything. Like, I'll, I used to beg, like, let's buy a camper. I wanted to buy a camper. He's like, we're not going to buy a camper. That's the stupidest thing we've ever done. Six months after we got separated, he bought a camper. And I was just thinking to myself, I begged for years for us to have a camper. I've heard of that happening a lot. You know? <laughs> and that's, that happens often. Yeah, and, and that is financial Absolutely. That's, that's where domestic abuse comes in. That's financial right there. When they never heard you, when you never had a voice. Yeah. When you said, I would like for this to happen or I would like for you to do this. And you would never heard. 
Mm-hmm. But after the relationship's over, yes. then out of the blue, it's like, oh, you're doing all the things that I wanted you yes. to do. So going back to the PTSD. So yeah, so it is what they call, you automatically think about PTSD when it comes to like soldiers and stuff military like that. Stuff, like I think absolutely. most people think PTSD from military, but PTSD could be from anything. And so then there's different types of PTSD. And most people that are in a domestic abusive relationship, they develop complex PTSD. Complex PTSD is pretty much where you've gone through something that is traumatic over a long period of time. And so that's when you develop complex PTSD. And so like whenever you have something that's ongoing, especially like in a domestic abusive relationship, they say that within the first five years, you develop complex PTSD in an abusive relationship. And mine, seriously, like I look back and it was almost five years to like the month that I started developing symptoms of complex PTSD. I was diagnosed with anxiety when I was um, 25 years old. It was right, I was two years after I had my first child. And so I was 25 years old. I was was diagnosed with anxiety, depression, ADHD, and I even had a doctor tell me I was bipolar. Wow. And when I was, I was just like, oh my goodness. Like, first of all, I know that I'm not bipolar. I mean, I've, I've been around bipolar people and there's nothing to be ashamed of of being bipolar. But I knew that I was not bipolar. And so that's when I went and got a second opinion. And so, and, and that doctor was like, no, you definitely have anxiety, depression, and ADHD. And then later on, I went through the separation. I was looking up complex PTSD and everything like that. That's when I was like, oh my gosh, those are symptoms of complex PTSD is the depression, the anxiety, ADHD, all of those things, being afraid, um, secluding yourself, not going into isolation. I did all those things. And so, and even now, if I have a trigger, a lot of, I've gotten a lot better about having triggers because I've learned how to deal with it and therapy really, really helped me. But for the longest time, anytime that I would have to talk to my ex-husband, because we do have children together. So a lot of people are, you know, a lot of things, a lot of people, therapists and stuff said that you need to break off ties with your abuser. I couldn't, you know, so I had to set boundaries. And that's the biggest thing that I have had to learn from being divorced and going through all of this is I've had to learn my boundaries. And so I've learned, I don't have to answer him back. I don't have to reply to him. I don't have to give him an answer. I don't have to explain myself to him. I no longer have to do that. He no longer has that authority over me. So that is my boundary with him. When he sends me a text message, I don't reply automatically anymore. I don't stop what I'm doing to reply to his text messages anymore. And sometimes I don't even answer them. If it doesn't have to do with my children or something going on with my children, I don't reply. I don't know if you can see my, my if you can read my expression, my facial expression for right now. I find that so amazing for you to go 12 years of listening to what this individual was telling you to do to the T. Yeah. Do this, do that, do that. For you today to sit here and say, I don't have to do this. This mm-hmm. is my boundary. I think that's huge. I think that's a, such yes. a huge jump. Congratulations. That is you honoring yourself and loving Thank yourself you. and putting yourself first and giving your daughter the correct, yes. the right example.
for her. Yes. So con- seriously, congratulations. Thank That's you. huge. Well, and it, I, have, I have even learned that you have to have boundaries in everything. everything. And every relationship. And, you know, and I have an 11-year-old and a 7-year-old now, and I'm trying to teach them now, okay, there's boundaries, you know? And, you know, my son just went into middle school and I'm trying to, I'm trying to teach him from a woman's perspective of how to treat a woman, you know, like right. don't be touching a girl, you know, like, cause these days you really, you can't even go up to a girl and touch her on the arm anymore right. because it can be misconstrued into something that it's not, you know? So I'm just always telling him like, look, if you're going to be with a girl, then you need to have somebody with you. You need to have that boundary. That's been the biggest thing for me, even in developing relationships with opposite sex. You know, like if I do try to start dating again or start talking to somebody, I develop a boundary automatically because I have lots of walls up. And it's not their fault that I have those walls. It's not their fault that I've been through what I've been through. But I know to keep myself safe and keep my emotional state safe, I have to have that boundary. So this is all the aftermath of uh, an abusive relationship. Yes. Have you been able romantically to get involved with someone else? How does it look like for someone that has been in an abusive relationship to move towards something healthy? For you to understand what's a healthy sexual relationship because you actually never had that you didn't yeah. know what that looked like so um and I'll, I'll be honest like a lot of people say that when you get divorced you go through what they call a hoe phase yes i've heard of that and so like i'm just gonna be 100 percent honest with you like when i was separating divorced and stuff you know i would talk to other guys and stuff and i think you automatically think that they want sex you know like most guys oh, they just want the sex they just want the sex you know and so in your mind you're like okay well do i want to go down that route of like okay i'm just gonna have sex with whoever i want and just be a you know go through my little hoe phase and get it over with but then you think about what am i doing to myself i'm not creating like i like you said i'm not creating that safe boundary of what sex looks like what does healthy sex look like you know and honestly like have you have yourself a tribe of girls or even guys that you can share your experiences with and let them share their experiences with you and for you to say well well, to me this is what a healthy sexual relationship looks it's not you know bartering with you if you give me this and i'll give you that that's not a healthy sexual relationship and that has it's been hard to get on that level because it's still hard even three years now to even i've only had probably two relationships since i've been divorced and they were short-lived they were not long and i and honestly it's because of me because i'm just i just can't handle it i'm not ready I can't do this. And I think a lot of it is just because I'm still healing. Absolutely. And still don't know what a healthy sexual relationship looks like because there's so much porn in our culture. There's so much like, okay, well, does sex look like this? Is it dirty, kinky sex? Like, is it the choking sex? Is it like, what does a healthy sexual relationship look like? And I think that is defined between you and your partner. Correct. I agree 100%. 100%. And so like, what clicks for you and your husband probably won't click click for me and, and my future totally husband. Fine. You know, but there's a safe boundary there. So like for me, like I really in my opinion, 
sex looks like, that passionate love sex. But right now, I'm not going to find that. When you say I'm not going to find that, why? Why would you not find that? Well, I'm not going to find that right now. And in the future, future, I hope I do find that. Right now, I don't think I'm going to find that because I don't think that I'm ready. You know what I mean? I do. I still, I guess in a sense, like, I don't want to even say fantasize, but I still fantasize, I guess you could say, that I want to have a husband. I want to have my family. I want to be right back in that spot of being close to God. But it's like, I don't know. Right now, you're in the stage of building all of this and getting the correct definition of what so many things look like, including love. And it's like, you you have to start with yourself. To me, I want to be a good person. What is a good person? You know, it's like, you think about, well, I don't want to take crap from nobody. But I don't want to be a bad bitch because I'm not a bad bitch. You know, like I don't, right. I don't want to be that. But I just want to be me and whatever I look like. And every day, I might look different tomorrow than what I look like today. You know, it's just like I'm still on that journey of where do I go from here? And that is an important part of it. This is how yeah. you find out. This is truly where where I am, and, yeah. and it's okay to own that. And it's important to go through this because this is the time that you get to know yourself again, and it's a different self. Because the Amanda that was um, back at eighteen years old when you met <laughs> yes. him is gone. This is a new Amanda, yes, with new experiences, new pain, yeah. new sorrow, and yet new strength. Yeah. So you combine all this, and you're creating a new Amanda. And that doesn't happen overnight. No, absolutely not. And it's, it's almost like I am taking all of this wealth of knowledge, good and bad knowledge that I've had in my 35 years of life, and I'm combining it into one person now. And it's like, okay, I want to take this part from that year, this part from that girl. You know, like I want to take it all, and I just want to put that into me, who I am right now. But I want to get rid of all the bad stuff. But I can't get rid of that bad stuff because it's also made me who I am. Exactly. You know, and it's, it's so crazy, like, in the dating world right now, it's guys do not like a strong, independent. It scares them. I, I, I mean, <laughs> sorry, guys. Yeah, sorry, guys. But you're scared, but a lot of them do. Nine out of ten yeah. guys that I have talked to, that I have dated, they're like, you're a strong-willed, independent woman. But that's not what I want. That's crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> and it's like your whole life, you hear, well, guys want a strong, independent woman. Well, no, they don't. But you know what, honey? I'm not going to go back to to where I was. You know what I think? This is my theory. When a guy tells you, oh, you're you're too independent, you're too smart, this, it's because it's easier for them to control that person. Absolutely. It's easier for you to control the submissive woman, the woman that doesn't know what she wants and what she's looking for, and it's only looking at you and you, and that's it. It's easier for a man to control that. So when you see it and you present yourself, this is who I am, this is my boundaries, this is my world, mm-hmm. my world, that's going to be more difficult. You need a man well, that truly loves you yeah. to admire that and say, that's my girl. She's a whole on her own. <laughs> yes. And, I, and I, I've told my mom before, I'm like, and I think I told my daddy, but I'm like, your generation has completely failed us because 
y'all painted this leave it to beaver picture of how a marriage is supposed to be. Well, that's not how it's supposed to be. It's not where we don't live in a world where the mom can stay at home and clean and cook and take care of the kids. And then the daddy comes home and life is all peaches and cream. That is not the life. That's not the world we live in today. And you know what? I will even say there's some women that like that. There's some yeah. women that find themselves, they identify with themselves with that and that's perfectly fine. Absolutely. But we now have options. There's an yeah. option. And just like that's acceptable, is 100% acceptable. Yes. For you to be independent and hold on your own. Yes. And you know, it's like you said, like a man should look at his wife that is strong and independent and be like, that's my woman. I don't have to worry about her. I don't have to worry about anybody running over her. But if something does, I'm going to take care of that's her. That's right. You know? But that, that has been the hardest thing, I think, with dating is, is that I'm not going to change who I am anymore. I changed myself for, before, for 14 years. Exactly. And I'm back. not doing it anymore. I think that goes back to having those boundaries. Is It's almost like when you start dating somebody, it's like, okay, they're not going to jihad with how I do things. But I'm like, I'm 35. I'm getting set in my ways a little bit. You know, like I'm, you know, we're not going to go down that route of, well, I wash clothes on Monday and Wednesday. Well, you only wash them on Tuesday and Thursday. Well, I'm sorry. Like, you know, like it's, it's just, is different. I think that when you understand that love is about, I'm going to give you a little bit of what you want and keep in a little bit of what I want, yeah. and you get to that point, I think that that's when a healthy relationship comes about. The thing about that is that you have to understand what love is. Absolutely. Because love does that. Love will hear you, will honor you, but they'll keep themselves as well. They yeah. won't forget themselves. So it's a combination of them. And I guarantee you that if you find a man that, that you will, that loves mm -hmm. you, that admires you, then you come to that, okay, let me back off from this. Let yeah. me compromise on this Absolutely. Thing. But right now, you haven't had any experience of a healthy love relationship. Yeah. So therefore, it's like, these are my walls, and this is what keeps <laughs> yes. me healthy. And, and you're going to have to tear these walls down. down. You're gonna, and, and it sucks to say, because yes, the other individual is not their fault. Whoever comes next and says, hey, but I do want to twer you know, break this down. Yeah. But when you love, love, and you would want to break them down. And most of the time when I get into a real, like, when I date a guy or anything, and we start, you know, possibly going down, like, a serious relationship or something like that, um, I will always be like, look, been through, because I don't always just open straight up and like, right. hey, I've been in an abusive relationship. Yeah. That's just like a red flag for them, for you, for them to run, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I don't always just open up automatically and say, hey, this is what I've been through. I try to like see if I'm even, if they're even worth hearing that story. And so most of the time, if we do go down that road, I'm just like, look, this is what I've been through. These are my triggers. And if I do have a trigger, this is what it looks like to me. This is what I do. And so I don't want you to think something's wrong with me or something is wrong. Or I don't want you to think that something is wrong with you and me. I'm just dealing with it. And this is how I deal with it. You know, I still am in, in therapy. So if I do have a trigger, a lot of times I will call my counselor and be like, hey, this is going on. I just need to talk about it. 
Right. You know, and the biggest thing that my counselor told me, he was like, he's like, I want you to write down, I want you to go through your Bible, and I want you to write down every single Bible verse that says what you are in Christ and who you are. Because when you're trying to find yourself, you got to find yourself, you got to find Christ within you. And this is what he said that you are. You are perfect. You are made in his image. You are what he wanted you to be. You know, those are the things like when I do have self-doubt. Those are your tools. Yeah. And so when I do have those doubts, when I do have those moments of like, I really am a piece of crap mom. He's, you know, my husband is right. I am a piece of crap mom. And I think to myself, no, I'm not. Because this is what Christ says about me. And there's, there's still times, I mean, just probably three weeks ago, me and my ex-husband got into a, an argument. And of course, like he throws up, like you don't care nothing about your kids and all that. But there again, there's, there's, there's those boundaries. Like you say that, but I'm not hearing, hearing that. that. It's going in this ear and it's going out that ear. And that's where those boundaries are at. You have, you have to have those boundaries for I yourself. Agree. You have to. I agree. That's the way that you can keep yourself healthy. Absolutely. So, Amanda, what would you say to the 25-year-old, the Amanda today, what would you say to that Amanda to keep her going? What advice would you give Amanda that was struggling with depression, anxiety, and all that? What would you say to her? I would say to her that it's going to be okay, that you got this. Put on your boots. You got this. Settle up. Let's go. And that's what we're saying to anyone. Absolutely. That can identify, that identifies with Amanda's story, with the emotions that she felt, with feeling anxiety, with feeling lost within her marriage. Those are the words that we're saying to you today. It's going to be okay. Put your boots on. Yep. Carry on. It will be okay. Yeah. One day at a time. I always say in almost every episode, so if you've been listening to my episodes, you know I've always say it's a season. This is not permanent. It's a season. And we need to understand that because when we understand this is what I'm feeling right now, but it's not going to be permanent, yeah. it gives us hope. It makes, well, it gives us hope. and one thing too is feelings are emotion. You know, every day those feelings change. change. Every day those emotions change. Precisely. And there are still times, so even though three years out, I had 14 years of that abuse and I'm only three years out of it. It's like, there's still days I'm like, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't, and, you know, and that's where I, I go back to saying, that's where you need to have your tribe with you. And uh, you call them up and be like, hey, was it that bad? Like, and they'll be like, yes, it was, but look at where you are right now. And I think that's a very important point for um, anyone that wonders, well, why didn't you leave? Oh my gosh, I hear that. Well, why didn't you leave? Well, first of all, you're three years out after therapy, still questioned, was it that bad? So imagine Amanda from back then, <laughs> yes. she never saw it as being that bad. Like, you don't even know how many times, like, even eight months into our separation, there was times where I'm like, I'm just going to go back. I'm just going to go back. I'm going to live like this, and I'm going to do it. But then it was like, it's like I have the devil on one side and the angel on the other side, like, battling one another. But it is like, no, you're, you're, you've come way too far to go back. You have, you've come way too far. You, you can't go back to that. Because it would be worse now if I had went back, you know? I agree. I agree. I agree. So, and Amanda's one of the lucky ones. Domestic abuse, as we all know, the latest and most known case is Gabby. Yes. And I know that it seems like, oh, it's only uh, abuse, verbal abuse. But guys, this doesn't start there. No. And it ends there. 
it progresses. Yep. Amanda it was, always starts emotional and verbal. It, it's just where it starts. Exactly. So Amanda started listening to mean words. She started being cold, cold, different, hurtful things. And it got to a point where she actually got slapped. So what I'm saying to you is just because you're not in the slapping stage doesn't mean that it's not abuse and it doesn't mean that it Absolutely. may not get there. So Amanda's one of the lucky ones. And the biggest thing is for us to identify that. I think yeah. that a lot of people have the wrong definition of what love looks like. And therefore, all of this behavior seems to be normal, yes. quote, quote. And that's the danger that I see with our youth, with anybody, actually, because absolutely abuse, domestic abuse can happen to 15 years old, at 15 years old, and it can happen when you're 65. Absolutely. It, it, is, it is so unbelievable because I can spot that relationship out of a room. I can walk into a room and I can tell you right now who is in a domestic abusive relationship just by the way he treats her or she treats him. I can tell you. Exactly. You have been able to identify it. Yes. And that, I think that's half of the battle. When we can identify this, we know what we're looking for. So especially to the young adults right now, to the kids growing up and into this society that makes toxic behavior seem normal this this is for you guys to understand that even though it's common doesn't mean that it's healthy or no. that it's acceptable well and the thing about it too is this is we we love comfort and so when you leave a toxic relationship it's unknown you don't know what life is going to look like you don't know what your road is about what road you're about to go on so it's like you're going in uncharted territory that is scary very so a lot of people it's the comfort that they want yeah. not necessarily the relationship but they want that comfort because they know what's going to happen you know and so i remember with my first um serious relationship i recall one time where um he called me i want to say it was 50 times and i had gone to get lunch with my best friend and i was 16 years old 15 mm -hmm. and i didn't think anything of it till years later and I'm realizing, hold on, that was a red flag. <laughs> yes, yes. And my thing is, kids nowadays are, you know, young adults may think that. Yes. Oh, being called that many times, oh my God, he misses me. That's so cute. No, no it's a red it. flag. It's yes. toxic behavior. Well, and that's even like with, with my children right now, when, when I see like what goes on with their dad and then coming to me you know I see a lot of times where when they're with their daddy they'll call me and they'll call and call and call and call until they get me but then when they're with me and they're trying to call their daddy I'm like just leave him alone he's fine you know like he'll call you back when he gets the message or something but then again it's like it's that control and it's like and I tell my kids all the time like you don't have to do all that right you know right right absolutely <laughs> and that's exactly my point we from young from a young age, yes. we see this as a, this is the normal thing. I get to call you a thousand times just because I have my phone here. So I get to call you. And since you have your phone in your hands, you need to be answering. Yeah. And it, that's exactly right. We're growing up with this. So we have to understand that's not healthy. And we yeah. got to teach that to our kids. And if you're a young adult, you got to be mindful of your own behavior. Wait a minute. How many times did I call my girlfriend? She's my girlfriend. She's not my property. Yeah. Like, she'll call you back. 
Exactly, exactly. <laughs> she will call you back. Okay? And that's just a small example of the so many behavior behaviors that are toxic and because I don't know if society, I don't know if because they're more common, we're starting to think that that's normal. Yeah, I think it's, it's I think a lot of it is learned behavior. We learn these things. And I don't want to say that it's from our parents or anything like that, but it, it is definitely learned from somewhere. Absolutely. And so I think about that with my kids. Like I'm, we are raising the next generation. And how are we raising them? It's what matters. And so like you were, it's, it's a daily battle of a fight. Absolutely. Well, Amanda, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. very valuable to have someone sitting across from me that has gone through such challenges and still has in her heart to serve others through her own experience. Well, and I was just going to say, too, that don't ever be afraid to reach out. You have the support there. They're just waiting on you. That's, that's so true. And, and now that you say that, you guys always know that my Instagram, you can direct message me, private message me. You can email me. We're here. This is a space for you guys. Yes. If you need support, if you feel like you're going through a difficult time, not sure what's going on, and you don't have that support system, Drugless Anonymous is your support system. We're here. This is for you guys. This is because community, we we need to be there for each other. Mm-hmm. We, I promise you, what Amanda went through, plenty of other women have gone through, are going through, and sadly, may be going, may, may go through in the future. Yeah. And this is what we do to support each other, to absolutely. help each other. So Amanda's absolutely right when she says, don't be afraid to reach out to your family, to your friends, to Strugglers Anonymous, to organizations. I'm mm-hmm. going to have that listed on the episode notes of what organizations will be helping you to get out of those situations in emergency situations. So again, thank you so much for your And if you have any questions whatsoever, like this is my relationship, this is what it looks like, is this domestic violence? Don't be afraid to reach out out to us because it's easier for somebody looking on the outside in to say, yes, girl, that is exactly. It's an unbiased opinion and it's, you need to hear it. Sometimes you just need to hear, yes, it is because in your mind, you don't want it to be. Correct. I think that's one of the hardest steps too. Yes, is admit it. Yeah, is wait a minute. This is my reality. Yeah. This is true. And that takes some time too for you to get to that to that concept. It's your reality, but that's not the world you have to live in. Right. That's a season and you yes. have them in your hands. You have the control to say when it stops. Yep. You're in control of that completely. So we hope and we pray that whoever identifies with Amanda's story can have something positive coming out of her sharing Absolutely. her story in this space that we have created for you guys. Um, Amanda, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Um, and yeah, you guys want to follow us on Instagram, yes. on Facebook. Amanda, would you like to share your handle? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I will share it. So we're going to have all that information on the episode notes. Mm-hmm. You guys already know at Strugglers Anonymous Podcast for Instagram and on Facebook. You can find Strugglers Anonymous. We have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. We are still building the website. It's coming. It's going to be full, full, full functional. And you guys are going to have a space to share your stories or your current situations in an anonymously way for us to, to talk about it, to give an advice, to just listen to you, that will be available there. So thank you guys for tuning in. 
and follow us on Instagram so we can have an open conversation on there as well of um, what's coming up, what uh, we need to be focusing on on the podcast. Let us know. So make sure that you follow us. Give us a review. Let me know what you like, what you don't like, what you would like to see more because this is a space for you guys. This is not for me. I'm here for you guys because I understand what it feels like to be struggling and not knowing what to do or who to go to. So because I know that, we're here. So thank you guys, and we'll see you all next time. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening.